second thing the text tells us is not only is the Word of God alive, but the Word of God changes us. The vocation of the Christian is to hear the call of the Spirit, to be an intercessor in whatever place God has positioned you. That's why we do what we do at New Life Church. Not to keep you busy, but to help you belong. Amen. Good morning, New Life Midtown. Come on, let's find our seats this morning. It's good to see all of your smiling faces. Did you guys follow uh, Sidron's word of encouragement and tell somebody they look good? Uh, Just tell somebody they look good this morning. Dominique, it's good to see you, sweetie. If you're here with us today for the first time, let me be one of many to welcome you to New Life Midtown. We're delighted to have you with us in our service today. And if you're joining us online, thanks for tuning in. Guys, I believe that I have a word that is straight from the heart of God for you this morning. And I believe it's a word for this season. It's a word for now. But while we're talking about words for now, let me just share with you something that happened both services. I'm a little upset about this. If I'm in my flesh, if I'm going to be honest with you, I'm a little upset about this. All right. But then once I really start thinking about what the Lord might be up to, then I start getting excited. So in the first service, the drawings up here talking about get out and, you know, go and get and and I felt like the Lord asked, asked me and asked our household, consequently, to, to just give a little bit extra. So we've gotten pretty used to the automated giving, and I like that feature. Um, but if we're not careful, sometimes what we can do is we can automate ourselves out of our heart, right? We can automate ourselves out of faith. We can automate ourselves out of expectation. You hearing me this morning, right? We just throw that thing on autopilot and forget about it, and, and we just go our way. And what will happen here is if we're not careful is we'll miss an opportunity. We'll miss an opportunity to give a little bit more. We'll miss an opportunity to raise and elevate our faith. And so I'm sitting here in service and Sadron's telling his story and I felt this little quickening, which I haven't had in a while. But I know what that feels like because I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if you ever ask me to give, and Christian, I made this agreement. I said, if the Lord's asked you, you never have to ask me, right? Just he knows what we have and whether it's large or small, it's always a yes. And I told him that. I said, whatever you ask me to give, it's always a yes. And so first service, he asked us to give a little something extra. And I was like, okay, good. I guess the kids aren't having Christmas presents this year. (laughs) Lord bless them. Um, And I felt pretty good. I was like, okay, good. I, I, I got a little expectation welling up inside of me. And then the Lord did it again. That's the problem with going to two services. Because I felt like the Lord said, he said, it was really subtle. He was like, hey, hey, do it again. And I was like, that is not the Lord. I was like, go on, get. And I just felt, and it was in worship. It wasn't even in the giving exhortation. I just felt like the Lord said, no, this is me. This is me. And then this, then this scripture hit me. And Christian, if you can go here, I didn't say this in the first service because the Lord only hit me one time. Because he hit me twice. This started to weld up. And look with me, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 11, this is for somebody today, and it's for the house. I think it's for the soul of the house. It's for the spirit and the DNA of what I want in this house, that we are a people who respond, that we are a people who quicken our ears and our hearts to the voice of the Lord. And whatever it is that he asks us, it's a yes. I was listening to this song earlier this week in my time alone with the Lord, and I can't even remember who it was. I can't remember what song it was, but there was this phrase that this worship leader kept singing, and he says, you have my eternal yes. 
you have my eternal yes. And man, when I heard that, something just shot into my, my, my being. And I began to echo that because that's the kind of man I want to be. And that's the kind of people I believe that God is calling us to be, that we are a people that God always has our eternal yes. That when he nudges us to go speak to someone, when he nudges us to pray for someone, when he nudges us to reach out and call or text or email or invite somebody over, when he nudges us to cook a meal for someone, when he nudges us to step out with the prophetic word or to give a little bit extra, we say, God, we want to be a people of response, that we are a people who you have our eternal yes. And Hebrews 11:6 6 says this. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Okay, that's part one. We're here today because there's something inside of us that believe that he exists. Good. He is here. We believe he's here. We believe he exists. But then there's this other component to faith that not only does he exist, but that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And here's the part where I think if we can make the turn in our spirits that genuine excitement can rise up inside of us because anytime you respond to God, there is always something of God on the other side of your response. And I'm telling you, response and obedience are a muscle, saints. It is a discipline. I was talking with Greg earlier this week and he says, you know, Jade, in combat... They train soldiers to do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over again. So when the bullets are flying and when someone's yelling at you and when everything around you's falling apart and you're disoriented, he said, you know what? You fall back on what you ingrained over and over and over and over and over and over again. And what we want to be is we want to be a people that teach ourselves how to respond to God. So that when someone comes at you sideways, what doesn't come out of you is something that is ugly. But what comes out of you is something that looks like God, right? And so today I have this theory and the theory very simply is this. As we continue to grow as a people of response, what happens is that we also become a people of blessing. That to the degree that we respond to God, to that degree, God increases blessing in our lives. Now, some of us come from different backgrounds and we come from different streams of thought around this. And for some of us, the idea of blessing is exciting. Anybody get excited about the idea of blessing? And listen, that's good. It's like, how many could use a blessing in your life right now? Anybody? All right, ever could use a blessing. Okay, great. Nobody else raised their hands. I think I saw Laura's. Okay, good. They're, they're good, good. How many of you could, how many of you just want a blessing, whether you could use it or not? Thank you. Thank you, people of response. Absolutely. And my theory very simply is this, that God is a God of blessing. He is a God who blesses. He is a God who releases his goodness and his favor and his grace upon his creation and upon his people. And we find this in Genesis chapter one, everything that God does after he does it, after he creates, do you know what he does? He blesses it. Now the scripture doesn't explicitly say that. It just says that he looked back and he spoke with his mouth over his created work, over, his, over the work of his hands. And he says this, that's good. Thomas, you ever done that? You ever done that? You ever, you ever painted something and looked back and went, that's good. 
Huh? Every time. My man. My man. Right? I just sit back and look at it and say, that's good. I look at my kids and go, mm-hmm, girl, we did that. That's good. But something beautiful happens on the sixth day. God creates mankind. And God creates the masterpiece of all of his creation. And he doesn't just say that's good. He looks at it and he says, this is very good. And he speaks a blessing over the very DNA of all of humanity. And here's my theory. It's simply this. You were created out of blessing, right? You were created by blessing, in blessing, out of blessing, with blessing, for blessing, right? So whether you know it or not, it's deep inside of your DNA, right? Because the very next thing that we find is that in Genesis 1.28, then, then God blesses his people. He says, I bless you to be fruitful. I bless you to multiply. I bless you to subdue the earth. I bless you to govern with me. I bless you to build and I bless you to create and I bless you to solve problems and I bless you to enter into the darkness and bring something of the light of God into that place. Brothers and sisters, you are a people who are called to be blessed. In Numbers chapter six, when God calls the people of Israel out of Egypt, he tells his priests, he says, listen, I want this people to be distinguished by my presence and my glory and my blessing. I want it to be on them. I want them to be set apart by the blessing of God so much so that I am commanding you to tell your priests that every time you guys get together, I want you to place a blessing on them. And friends, listen, the next thing that God does, not chronologically, but I'm just saying like in the sequence of what God's doing in the earth is then then God raises up a kingdom of priests. Right, so in the same way that God commands the Levites and the priests of that day to release and speak a blessing over his people, the scripture tells us that we are now a kingdom of priests and that you have the capacity and you have the commissioning, you have the authority of God to release the blessing of God into every situation that you walk into. If your marriage isn't doing what you want it to do or being what you want it to be, friends, don't go looking for another marriage. Okay, don't go looking for what someone else is doing. Like, speak the blessing of God over your marriage. Okay, if your church isn't what you want your church to be, like, don't go looking for another church because as long as you're there, you're there. Right, because wherever you go, you're taking yourself with you. Be a person of blessing. Be a person who releases and becomes the blessing of God into the environment that God calls you into. This couple right here, they've been with us for 10 years. So John and Tamara Smith and their family, and 10 years ago, they walked in. We were in CSCS, and they walked in the double doors there, and they looked around, and Sadron said, ain't nobody around here look like me. And we're still not doing too great, Sadron, but let's just, just, hold, just hold, hold on. And he looks in, and he says, not too many people look like me. And he walked out, and he said, I'm, I'm never coming back here again. And, and his wife said, be the answer to the problem that you see, okay? Be a blessing. Speak a blessing, all right? And that's what God has called us to be. My theory this morning is this, that we can become a people upon which the blessing of God can rest. You ever been into someone else's home and you walked into that place and you couldn't quite put your finger on it. Everything looked good. They brought out their best dishes. The place was clean. And yet there was just something in the atmosphere that felt a little off, right? There was tension in the house. 
all these sarcastic sideways remarks and you just felt uncomfortable and awkward. Anybody ever been in a situation like that? Maybe it's not someone's home, but maybe someone's office. You just walked in, you're like, I can't explain this, but man, the peace of God is not in this place. And then have you been to someone's office or someone's home and you walked in and man, it just felt like this, this feels right. Goodness is soaking this environment, all right? Anxiety and fear and chaos and tension are not welcome here. I've been into homes like that. One of my closest friends in this church, every time I go to their house, I take a nap. And I can't, I feel bad. <laughs> but there is just something about the peace of God that is in that house that I, every time they turn around, there he is, he's just sleeping again. He's sleeping. Sometimes it's five minutes and sometimes it's for over an hour. But I just, I'm like, I feel at peace in this place. You are called to create environments where the blessing of God rests. But we're also called to be a people through which the blessing of God flows. Amen? And so when we look at the Christmas story, there's a couple of examples of what it looks like to become a people of blessing. I believe that Mary and Elizabeth, they demonstrate for us, they model for us what it looks like to build a house of blessing, what it looks like to become a people of blessing. So turn with me to Luke chapter one. We're gonna begin at verse 39. We're gonna read verses 39 through 45. And we're gonna look at some really important interactions that are happening here between these two young ladies. Verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready. And she hurried to town in the hill country of Judea. Now, I want you, if you're like me and you like to underline key words in your Bible, the word hurried and the word hill country there are important. We're going to go back to those. She hurried. What does that communicate to you? There was a sense of urgency, maybe even a sense of desperation. There was purpose. There was focus. She had to get to Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth didn't just live down the road. She lived in the hill country. And Mary has to trek quite a ways to get there. And as soon as Mary enters into the house, where she entered Zachariah's house, and she greeted Elizabeth. And when she greets Elizabeth, and Mary hears her come into the house and just welcome her, look what happens. The baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, before you just kind of gloss over this and go, isn't that sweet? I am praying that something drops into your belly like it dropped into mine because I was not expecting this. I was actually already determined in my mind that I was gonna preach a different passage than Luke 1 this week. But when I got to this passage and I got to that part right there, I was interrupted by the Holy Spirit. Like, I want to whet your appetite for you walking into Walmart and you greeting the greeter and they're just, they're out in the spirit and you're like in the soap aisle. You're like, I'm just going on with my checklist. Like, imagine going in and just saying hello to someone and the spirit of God himself breathe on that in such a way that it begins to activate something within their very being. This is what's happening right here. Mary's carrying God. And friends, listen, you and I are called to be carriers of God. We're called to carry God in the same way, different, but in a similar way to how Mary carried the Son of God. We're not carrying him physically, but you are the temple of God himself, and the glory of God resides in your life, and you can tend to that glory. You can nurture it. You can cultivate it. You can be carriers of the very presence of God. And I'm just curious here, as Mary greeted Elizabeth, I, 
I'm curious if Mary even knew what was happening inside of Elizabeth. See, that's, that's where I wanna get. I wanna get to the place where I'm just walking in God so closely and so deeply that I'm just doing normal, common, commonplace things and the work of God is happening. I'm just showing up into a room and God's moving. I'm just saying hello to people and God's filling people with the Holy Spirit. Now watch what else happens. After Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit, John leaps inside of her belly. She's filled with the Spirit. The scripture tells us that in a loud voice, she exclaims blessings over Mary's life. In a loud voice. And what we know throughout scripture, both Old Testament and New, is that anytime we see this phrase, that in a loud voice, there is something of the unction or the anointing or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit upon that activity. So Elizabeth wasn't just going, I bless you. She was moved by the Spirit to release something by the Spirit of the Spirit into and over and upon Mary. And Elizabeth has no idea what Mary's going through, but I'm going to show you here in a minute that what Elizabeth did in Mary's life was exactly what Mary came there for. And I would venture to say that Mary didn't even know herself what she needed from Elizabeth. And she speaks blessing over Mary. She says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your voice reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed. Remember we said that in order to come to God, we must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When Mary said, yes, Lord, she was not just saying, yes, I believe that you are God. She is saying, I am seeking you and I believe there is something that I can't even comprehend on the other side of me seeking you in obedience to this assignment. Three times Elizabeth releases blessing over Mary. Now in the previous verses, and I'm just gonna summarize because you're gonna hear these and you're gonna read these quite a bit over the next five days because Christmas is coming. Five days away, right? But we find in Luke's account that an angel shows up to Mary. Gabriel speaks to Mary. And Gabriel announces to her that she is going to bear a son. She's going to be pregnant. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow her, and she's going to carry the Son of God. And in this beautiful, tender exchange, Mary says, Yes, may it be unto me as the Lord has spoken. And then the angel slips something, and he says, By the way, your relative, Elizabeth, is also pregnant, and she's been pregnant for six months. And this is where we pick up our story in verse 39. That as soon as Mary hears this, it says that she got ready and she hurried to the hill country of Judea. Now, what do we discover here about Mary's situation? Number one, she's young. Some scholars place Mary anywhere between 14 to 18 years old. I want you to imagine being 14 to 18 years old. You've just been told that you're going to be pregnant. Second thing that we know about Mary is that she's not married yet. So what's running through Mary's mind and emotions about what is Joseph going to think? Like my parents and Joseph's parents got together, and they were having a grand old time one night, and they somehow thought it might be a good idea that he and I spend the rest of our lives together. Like that's what happened. They were be she was betrothed to Joseph. There was a promise that was made. There was a pledge that I'm going to be yours, and I'm going to be faithful and now what's going to happen? What is Joseph going to think? Right? We also find out that Mary's from Nazareth. Anybody know anything about Nazareth? It's a small town. 
And people didn't think too highly of Nazareth. You guys remember in John's account when Philip runs up to Nathaniel and he says, hey, we just met, we met the Savior and he's from Nazareth. And what does Nathaniel say? Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, I just love that. Like, of all the places that God decides to plant the seed of the Son of God, he plants him in the place where the, the overarching thought about Nazareth is, huh, can anything good come from Nazareth? And not only was it a little despised, it was a small town. Anybody grew up in small towns? My wife grew up in Hartford, Alabama. Hartford, Alabama had one stoplight. It didn't even have a Walmart. All right, everybody hung out at the local Hardee's. That, like, that, was the, that was the watering hole. That was the gathering place in Hartford, Alabama. Right? Tons of land. Thank God for it. Not much to do. And what do we know about small places? Everybody's up in your biz. Everybody knows what you did. Everybody knows who you belong to. People are nosy in small towns. I think Mary knew that. I think she knew, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to start showing here soon. And so what does she do? Look at, look at verse 39. She got ready. And she was like, I'm out of here. She hurried off to Elizabeth's house. What did she need from Elizabeth? What did she need? You ever have God speak something to you that was so outlandish, so radical, so audacious? And there's something inside of your spirit that agrees with it. But as soon as you walk out of that prayer time or as soon as you walk out of that worship service or as soon as you, you, know, you read that verse and you're moving away, the enemy comes quickly to steal the seed that was stolen, that was sown. That's what the scripture tells us. In the parable of the sower, Jesus says there's four different types of soil. And the first is the seed that goes on the ground and the birds, which represent the enemy, come quickly to steal that which God puts inside of you. I think that Mary was wrestling inside of her heart and her mind around God, could this really be you? And of all the people, why did you choose me? And do you realize how difficult that this is gonna be? And I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to risk so much of my own name and my own comfortability for the uncertainty of what you're calling me into. She needed the assurance of a mother in the faith. Are you hearing me this morning? She needed somebody who was walking the spirit who could speak directly to the assignment of God that Mary of all people, by the grace of God, was chosen to carry. Now let's look at how Elizabeth responds because I think this is the word for us today. All right, because we're called to be a house of blessing, amen? I said we're called to be a house of blessing. We're called to be a people of blessing. We're called to be a people upon whom the goodness and favor of God rests and through whom the goodness and favor of God flows through our lives. And the first thing we see is that when Mary comes in the door, now pause right here. I need you to get into Elizabeth's shoes. I need you to realize that Elizabeth is old. Where Mary is about 14 to 16, what we see in Elizabeth is the echo of Abraham and Sarah. We see the echo of Abraham and Sarah. And we see Elizabeth who has lived faithfully unto God, who has belonged to a priestly lineage who has been covered with shame and disgrace because she has been without children and she's old in her years. Now, when Christy and I had Milan, we were 30, which is a little bit older. I mean, it's a little bit older. I mean, you compare it to like 21 or 24. But I mean, like, I think we were pretty robust. We were excited, Milan. And then Kenya came along 18 months later and we still had some juice inside of us. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you. <laughs> At 36 years old, when those twins dropped into that belly, 
oh my God. Like we're still recovering. Like because, because when you get older, like carrying another six to 10 pounds in your stomach, it's hard work. And we have to recognize that in, in that day, Mary didn't send Elizabeth a Snapchat and say, hey, cuz, I'm gonna be there in about 12 hours when I take this 90 mile hike. Because that's how far Nazareth was from the hill country of Judea. It was 90 miles, 90 miles. And she didn't travel with Joseph. Mary takes this arduous trek by herself. Now, she probably hooked up with a caravan of travelers that were also on that path, but it's not like she was just going down the straightway. There's a reason why the scriptures tell us that Elizabeth lived in the hill country. It wants you to understand that this was difficult in her first trimester, mind you, but Mary needed something that Elizabeth had. And Elizabeth is old. She's six months pregnant. And the first thing that we see Elizabeth do is she welcomes Mary. She welcomes Mary. And guys, if we're going to be a house of blessing, we must be a people of welcome. Yes. We must be a people that are available to the people that are around us, in our homes, around our tables. Guys, this is, this is why I'm cashing all my chips in on the table group. This is why I'm going all in. I'm going all in on table groups because I believe it's around the table that people experience, like Mary experienced something of God from Elizabeth, I believe around our tables and in our homes that we can create environments where people walk into our homes and they need to experience the shalom of God. They need a word of encouragement and affirmation. And I promise you, if you will sign up, if you will lead, if you will host, if you will attend, God's gonna show up in that place. And God's going to bring a blessing to the people through your own homes and through your own lives. Yes, yes. Elizabeth saw Mary. She tended to her. She was available to her. Mm. Friends, I'm telling you, in this day, in this age, I've seen it. I've watched it. I see it all the time. I see people come up to one another, and they're so distracted. They got their face on their phones. They got their face on their iPads. We're looking around. We, have, we don't have the ability to look somebody in the eye anymore. We don't have the ability to see someone for who God has called them to be. And we're missing opportunities to be vessels of the blessing of God flowing through our lives to touch someone else's life. Elizabeth welcomed her. Wow. Elizabeth was the faithful presence of Jesus to Mary. The next thing that we see is that Elizabeth sees Mary by the Spirit that she sees her by the spirit. She saw her. Like for all intents and purposes, we don't have any account from Luke that, that God gave Elizabeth the prophetic word before Mary came. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth didn't know up until that moment that Mary was pregnant and that Mary was carrying the son of God. And when Elizabeth looks at her, the spirit of God reveals to Elizabeth who Mary is by the spirit. To be a house of welcome, we have to see people by the Spirit. Yeah. You remember that story when Jesus is talking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, and he says, who do people say that I am? And then by the Spirit, Peter says, you're the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, son, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Spirit has revealed this to you. I want this house to be a house that's so walking in the Spirit that when somebody comes in and maybe they don't look a little bit like us and maybe they aren't the kind of people that we would run with, right? right? But we see them by the spirit. Yeah. And here's what Jesus says to Peter. He says, your name from now on is gonna be the rock. Simon was not a rock, friends. Yeah. Yeah. All right, he was a coward. 
right? He jumped to the gun, put his foot in his mouth all the time. He, he denied Jesus three times, but Jesus wasn't speaking by the flesh. He wasn't speaking by who Simon was in his past. He was saying, I see you, and I see who God has created you to be, and I want a house where we see each other by the Spirit. Elizabeth saw Mary by the Spirit, and she discerned the work of God in Mary's life. God is up to something in you, Mary. This is exactly what Mary needed, guys. Mary was second-guessing. She was insecure. She was doubting. She was struggling. And then she hears the voice of a mother in the faith. Faith, look her directly in the eyes and say, God is at work here. This is the work of the Lord. This is the work. I discern this is the work of the Lord. You ever had moments like that in your life? I've had that. I'm telling you guys, there's nothing like it. When you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you want to give up, and then somebody, God just decides to share your business with somebody who happens to be in the spirit, who happens to actually have a prayer life, and they walk up to you and they share something with you, and it was exactly what you needed, and it sets you back on course. Anybody have that? It's amazing, right? This is the kind of house. That right there is the kind of house that we're called to be, a house full of Elizabeths and a house full of Marys. She discerns the work of the Lord. And then this next beautiful thing happens. Elizabeth responds to Mary by the Spirit. She doesn't respond out of her annoyance. She's not bothered at the fact that now Mary has come and intruded on her house for three months. All right? She's not responding out of her moodiness. She responds by the Spirit. And then look at this. Three times, what does Elizabeth do? She blesses her. She blesses her. And you know what happens after this? You guys read this. This is your homework assignment afterwards. Read the next 10 verses from 46 to 56. You know what she pulls out of Mary? She pulls one of the most beautiful prophetic songs that the church has on record. It's called the Magnificat. And Mary opens up her mouth And because Elizabeth is walking in the spirit and professing the blessing of God over her, something explodes out of Mary and she lifts up her voice and she begins to prophesy over Jesus. She begins to prophesy that Jesus is going to come and he's going to tear down and topple down the kingdoms and the empires of this world and those that are poor and those that are lonely are going to be drawn into the kingdom. Where did Mary get all that? She got that because when a woman full of the Spirit of God spoke blessing over her, it unlocked something in Mary's belly. Mary was strengthened in her assignment. Courage was put back in her soul. And I'm here to tell you today that every single one of us now are the recipients of the blessing that happened from Elizabeth becoming a house of blessing to Mary. Why is that? Because who knows how the story would be if it went a little something like this. I believe there are three things. I need you to walk with me here for about 10 minutes. Three things that Elizabeth had to wrestle through. Three things that Elizabeth had to lay down. Three battles that Elizabeth had to win in order to become a person of blessing, to walk in a house of blessing, to create a community of blessing. The first is this. Elizabeth had to lay down her position. We find over here in Luke chapter one, you can turn there with me. In verse 5 and verse 6, we find a little bit of Elizabeth's backstory. Luke chapter 1, verse 5, Scripture tells us that in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife 
Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So both Zechariah and Elizabeth have belonged to a long line, a long legacy of priests. This is powerful. And they have faithfully, now remember, for those of you guys who know Old Testament, we're talking about 400 years of faithlessness to God. We're talking about the prophetic voice of God not coming to the, the community of Israel for 400 years, and yet in that mundane, dark season of time, Zechariah and Elizabeth never lost hope, and they remained faithful to God. And verse 6 tells us the next thing, that both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and... They were both old. This is, the, this is the word of the Lord. This is what the scripture tells us. Now imagine if Elizabeth was carrying around some sense of entitlement. Imagine when Mary comes in this place of desperation and all Elizabeth can think of is, I belong to a house of priests. Zechariah belongs to a house of priests and we deserve to be the blessed ones. We deserve to be carrying the son of God. Why is it Mary and why is it not me? See, when you focus on what you think that you deserve, all right, based on your own merits or based on your own good work or your good standing or your position or I have this experience and they don't and I've gone through schooling and they haven't or whatever it might be, I speak in tongues and they don't. Like when you focus on your position, you're gonna miss an opportunity to be a vehicle of blessing. This sense of I deserve. Friends, I'm just here to, I'm here to remind you that you and I don't deserve anything but the grace of God. The next thing that we find, if you look with me at a couple of verses later in Luke chapter 1, look with me at verse 23. Verse 23 through 25, when Zechariah's time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. For five months, she remained in seclusion. And the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor, and he has taken away my disgrace among the people. The second thing I believe that Elizabeth had to lay down to become a person of blessing in order for us to be a people of blessing is Elizabeth had to lay down her pity. So where our position says, I deserve this, our pity says, woe is me. Our pity says my struggle is greater than your struggle. And if there was anybody in this story who had reason for being a little bit more inward, anybody who had reason for being a little bit more self-consumed or a little bit self-focused, let me just remind you, she was old. She was six months pregnant. And she's, she says it right here. She has lived the majority of her adult life in shame. She's looking around and every time somebody gets pregnant and throws a baby shower and has a gender reveal, Elizabeth is going, I still don't have a child. Why them and why not me? Right? To top matters off, her husband decides to get mouthy with the angel and now he can't speak. <laughs> and if you've ever been in a home where one of your spouses has laryngitis or they're coughing themselves hoarse and they can't speak, it's, it's frustrating right? Zachariah's over there doing charades and she's just like, forget it, okay? <laughs> so she goes into seclusion for five months. What if 
What if Elizabeth was nursing her own self-pity when Mary came? Like there was times in the Christian life, friends, listen, you have to hear this. Maturity demands in the Christian life that there are times that you do for somebody else what you need someone to do for you. And I cannot explain this to you, but somehow God has organized and he has orchestrated this whole thing that when you are rooted and tethered to another group of people, it's one of the reasons why belonging to the house of God and the people of God matters. Because what the Lord never tells us is to give out of your abundance. What the Lord never says is once you get your stuff together and you're full of goodness and peace and joy, then I'm going to ask you. No, no. He says, wherever you are in the season and struggle of your life, give out of that. Listen, some of you might be saying, listen, I don't have money. You, you have something to give. You have something to give. Give your presence. Give an encouraging word. Maybe you can't give 500, give 50. Maybe you can't give 50, give five. Maybe you can't give five, give 50 cents. But by, 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 by God, find something to give. And I, I'm here to tell you that when you give that little thing and you think, God, I'm giving everything that I have, God's going to take it and he's going to bless it and he's going to break it and he's going to multiply it and he's going to do something that you can never do with that in and of yourself. This is the way the kingdom works. And Elizabeth could have missed one of the grandest opportunities of her entire ministry career if she was nursing her own self-pity. Mary walks in. She's like, I'm pregnant. Oh, welcome to my world. Huh? You don't have any idea. What? Like she could have just gone there. Here's, here's, what, here's what I know. That when you focus inwardly over the course of time you'll begin to attack outwardly if all you're doing is nurturing your struggle you're and listen guys listen please hear me i am not here i am not here to belittle anybody's struggle your grief and your pain and your frustration all of those things your struggle that is real but what i am here to do is encourage and announce to you that even in the very middle of your struggle, you can be a vehicle of the blessing of God. Our pastor in Tulsa would say this all the time, if he can get it to you, no, no, if he can get it through you, he will get it to you. And we always think about money. But listen, I want you to know being a house of blessing is more than about money. It's about being a people through whom the favor of God flows. So she had to lay down her position, she had to lay down her pity, and she had to lay down her pride, right? This is where if Elizabeth wasn't careful, she could have turned out of envy and judgment and she could have attacked Mary. Are you kidding me? I've been faithful my entire life. Even Luke himself wrote that I've never disobeyed any of the commandments. And I've not just done that for a sweet 14 years, I've done that my entire life. Why do you get the son of God and not me? Are you hearing me today, church? Right? Watch the condition of your heart. Watch over the condition of your heart. And one of the best things that you can do is learn how to celebrate what God is doing in someone else. Earlier this week, I wasn't even expecting this. I was scrolling through Facebook. I'm on there from time to time, and there was a church in our city. They've been in our city for 11 months. They don't have a building. We don't have a building. My God, I've not been in a building since I've been in ministry, for, for, for God's sake, right? And there's a pastor in Tulsa, Mike Todd, calls this church up, 
while they're in service and gives them $500,000 toward a building, right? And I'm telling you guys, when I saw that, there wasn't an ounce of jealousy. I'm just saying, by, this is not my character. I'm saying this is by the grace of God. I think I had an Elizabeth moment where something leaped in my belly. I'm telling you, I saw that and, and faith rose inside of me and I began to thank God for Pastor Mike Todd and I began to thank God for that church here in our city and I said, let it be, Lord. Let it be. But I'm here to tell you today that there are gonna be moments in your life where you're connected to people and they're gonna be blessed and it's an opportunity for you to enter into that blessing, right? Contribute to their blessing. Speak to their blessing. Encourage their blessing. Because I don't know when your blessing's coming, but what I do know is that when you do not speak into that blessing, you cut yourself off from your blessing. Are you hearing me today? Okay? Be a conduit through which the life of God can flow at all times. At all times. Friends, would you stand with me to your feet this morning? You're called to be a house of blessing, church. You're called to be a house of blessing. I need, one, I need somebody other than ever to get in agreement with this. You are called to be a people of blessing. I said this to first service. Listen, the word is not automatic. Like I've announced it. I've been faithful. I've been diligent. I've prayed. I have saturated this word in the oil of God. I've given it. I have sown it into your heart. But here's what I know, that if you don't take it and if you don't receive it and if you don't watch over it and pray over it and possess it and say, yeah, this is my word. Because in order for it to be a house of blessing, every single one of us have to be individual bless, vessels of blessing. All right? And when we walk in that, we become a house, guys. I'm telling you, we will become a house where people are coming in discouraged, on the verge of throwing it all away, on the verge of ending their marriage, on the verge of declaring bankrupt. And I just believe, and I prophesy it to you today, that we are going to be a house so full of the blessing of God that things are going to turn around for people's lives. They're going to walk in and the goodness of God is going to overtake them. Now, the reason why this is possible for us is because Jesus fought those battles and he laid down his position, right? Philippians tells us that even though he was in the very nature of God, what did he do? Right? He laid himself down and he became a man. So he laid down his position, all of his rights, all of his entitlement all this priestly eternal legacy, he just laid it down. And then, and then his pity, like, couldn't Jesus have thrown a little pity party for himself? He could have done that. Nobody, like, I've come here to save these people and they don't want me, right? These, these, these people are, are, are mocking me and insulting me and crucifying me. And he laid down his own pity so that the blessing of God could flow. And then he, he chose not to walk in pride and envy and jealousy against humanity, right? We did not deserve this. But guys, I want you to think about this. This is why this matters. If we, can, if we can get this muscle down, if we can get this muscle down, Jesus is sitting across the table from the very man who's got 30 dirty coins jangling in his pocket. And you know what Jesus does? He blesses him. He washes his feet. He speaks opportunity to him. He speaks the goodness of God to every single person, even his enemies, even his accusers. He's hanging on a cross and the last words out of his mouth, do you know what they are? Somebody talk to me, church. They're blessing. They're blessing. Because we deserved death and we deserved crucifixion. We deserved what he walked through. You know what he said? He said, Father, forgive them. With his last dying breath, 
He modeled for us what it means to be a people of blessing. He didn't harbor resentment or jealousy or anger or bitterness with his last dying breath. He shows us that you too can not only be a recipient of the blessing of God, but you can be a vessel through who the reconciling forgiveness and grace and mercy of God flows through. Father, today, by the Holy Spirit, be the epiclesis for us today. Make body and bread. Make, make bread become the body of Christ and make this cup be the blood of Christ for us. Make it efficacious for us today. Make it efficacious. Make it alive, God. Make it powerful today. We identify with the body of Christ. We consume the body of Christ. We take up within ourselves the very blood of Christ today. We want to be of your nature. We want to be a people, God, that walk in blessing, and we want to be a people through whom the blessing of God flows. Let it be in the name of Jesus. Friends, you can exit on the left-hand side of your row, come up and receive the elements of God, and we will take them together. Praise be to the name of the Lord, our God. Friends, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, standing right there, looking at just raw humanity around him. He released blessing. He blessed us with the opportunity to enter into covenant fellowship with him. And he said, this is my body. It's my body but it's given over wholly and completely and it's broken for you. Will you just take that wafer and just break it in your hands, crush it even, reminding us that the body of Jesus himself was crushed so that we could become whole and that we could have life. And now let's take it by faith in the name of Jesus. Let us receive. Amen. The cup of the Lord, the cup of the new covenant. Galatians 3.13 says that he has redeemed us from the curse by becoming a curse for us. He has redeemed us from the curse. You are not cursed once. You are blessed once. You are created in blessing and for blessing. You are the blessing of God in the earth. And by his cup, he has removed every sin from your life. Friends, your sins are forgiven. Let us receive of the goodness of God and take the cup. Hallelujah. Jonathan, would you lead us this morning? Praise God from whom all blessings Praise Him all
friends, I got two quick announcements before I bless you. Prayer of blessing we find in Numbers chapter six, number one. This Friday is Christmas Eve, and we are we've decided that we're going to join North in one of their three Christmas Eve services. Two, four, and six is when they're happening up there, and they're going to be beautiful. They're going to be beautiful. They're going to be meaningful. They're going to be anointed. And I understand we've got family coming in and things are happening. But friends, listen, I would ask you today, like, don't decide not to go just because, right? Like, if you have time and you have availability, remember that your presence presence carries the blessing of God. And we're choosing to go to either the four or the six because in between those services, we're going to have a time where Midtown can gather together in the atrium of the World Prayer Center. And if you don't know where that is, Christy and I will be right there. When you walk in the big building, we're going to be in the middle, and we're going to be there to greet you and see your lovely faces as well as give you direction if you're not familiar with things are on that campus. Pastor Jonathan, don't be late. He's going to be opening up each of those services as well as playing secondary keys, and we want to be there to celebrate our boys. Secondly, next week, a week from today, the day after Christmas, we're going to have one service. All right? Now, 9 o'clock is safe because they show up at 9. Our service is going to start at 10. And at 9 a.m., we're going to have a time of food and fellowship, connection. From 9 a.m. to 9.45, we'll have a bagel bar. And then at 10 a.m., we're going to have a combined service. Now, 11 o'clock, I'm just here to warn you, right? If you show up late, food will be gone, and you might not have a seat. All right, so show up on time. And let's, let's, let's leave 2021 with a bang. Let's leave with a bang. Let's leave announcing over this year and announcing into the next year that we're blessed ones that God is good and that he is faithful. Amen? Amen. In Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons that this is how you are to bless the Israelites. I love that, that God is specific in the way that he wants you blessed. And then he says this, would you just lift up your hands and hold them open? The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And the Lord make his face of favor shine on you. The Lord make his face of favor shine on you. The Lord lift up his countenance of blessing on you, church, and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Friends, resist the turbulence of this week and walk in the peace and the blessing of God. There are opportunities that are all around you. In Jesus' name, love you guys. We'll see you Friday.